Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. So we have been on a bit of a journey since the beginning of the year. Um, for those who are here every Sunday or most Sundays and are part of this community, you would know that we are in a season change. Everyone on that page. Okay, we are in a season change. And we have heard many things over the last... My husband tells me I get very red in my neck when I speak. Now I'm very self-conscious. <laughs> if I'm getting red in my neck. <laughs> Sorry, it just came up. Sorry, love. <laughs> I'm just going to let it go red and then go white again. Um, <laughs> we have heard many things over the last couple of weeks about season changes. Um, some of the things that have stuck out for me was the illustration that Johan used if he had to come in with a winter coat and his winter boots in the middle of summer, we would all look at him and say, what is wrong with you, boy? Like, you need to change your clothing. You're going to die. That's one of the things we heard. Don't get stuck in your season. Um, the other thing that we heard was the example that Johan used of the girl that visited our house over December and her dad said to her, um, are you going to swim now? And she said, well, I've got a costume and there's a pool. I'm swimming. It was as simple as that. She just did it. Um, she just went with the moment because it presented itself. That was one of the things that we heard. I don't know about you, but last week's sermon cut me to the core. Um, I have been pondering over the, uh, not all of the points, but specifically the ones that God had convicted me on. Um, at, and it sat uncomfortably with me because God is expecting a lot of us in this season. Um, I'm just going to run through those points that Johan mentioned. He looked at different characters in the Bible and how, what their season changed meant for them in a moment. The first one was God is taking some of us from a season of just listening to what he's saying but actually speaking it out. He's giving us a voice to speak. For, us, for some of us, he's taking us out of a season of hiding, hiding behind ourselves, hiding behind our um, insecurities, just hiding. He's bringing us out. He wants us to be more seen. For some of us, it's a season of finding our courage. For some of us, a season of divine fruitfulness. When he spoke about Mary, this one really stood out for me. Where it's not, she wasn't really praying for a baby. Who prays for a baby at the age of 14? I don't know. I never did. I'm sure hoping my daughter is not. Um, but, but there's a, a season of fruitfulness that God asks of us when it's not really the time to be fruitful yet. He's accelerating our fruitfulness. Um, a season of complete submission for some of us. A season of restoration and qualification. Some of us, are, we know that we've been restored, but we're not allowing God to qualify us in that restoration. We need to start walking in that. That was for some of us. And then for some of us, a season of being inclusive of others, not exclusive. Not just you getting your downloads from the Lord Jesus and keeping it for yourself, but actually creating space for others to, to hear your voice, to hear what God is sharing with you, of being inclusive, of making people feel at home. 
it, it, was, it was a heavy sermon. If you really want to start embracing those things. You might think that we're going to stop speaking about season changes. I'm so sorry, we're not. We are still in this thing of changing seasons. And it's happening. And we might not like it, but it's happening. And in this season change, we have to find how we are going to grow. How do we grow in a season change, such as the one that LRC is facing at the moment, such as the one that you are personally facing at the moment? Um, when I was prepping, I felt God remind me of our trip to India. Johan and I went on a mission trip to India, and we were in the slum in Deravi. So just to give you a picture of the slum, um, I think it's the slum that's in Slum Dog, slum dog Millionaire. We were in that slum. We stayed there with people. Um, so if you, if you think of Alexandra Township, I'm told there's about 700,000 to a million people that live in Alex. And that's between two off-ramps. In India, in that same space, there are 13 million people. It is packed. There is not a lot of space. You are constantly surrounded by people. We went to one of the old ladies that they ministered to, um, the church that we were with, or the couple that we were staying with. Um, we went to a house in the slums. And we walked in, and she greeted us like this. And when we were in her house, we were standing like this as well, because her roof was so low that you couldn't stand up straight. Because of the space issue, their, their roofs are just so low. So you walk in like this, and you walk hunched all the time, and then they make you sit on their bed, which is a blanket. That's where you sit and have whatever they give, give you. And it was so uncomfortable, but, but that's how far you can go. And then when we left, we stepped outside, and naturally, we all stood up. But as she stepped outside, she stayed in this position. Her entire body had grown into this position. She doesn't have the ability anymore to stand up straight. I felt God remind me of this picture because... If we do not allow us, growth will come in this season. But if we are not aligned correctly, and if we are not in the right, right space, and if we don't have the handles to grow in this season, we, our growth will be stunted. And even when we are able to stand up tall, we won't. We won't reach our potential for the season that we are in. And I'm hoping that as we share this morning, God helps you to see what is keeping you in this position so that we don't stay in this position, but that we can actually stand up and say, I want to reach what God has for me in this season. So with that being said, I'm going to hand over to Tabs and she's going to share a little bit about what growth looks like in this season. And then I will come up and just do the last little bit. Morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here this morning. 
Um, as Molly said, we are, we are going to grow. And as we were prepping, I just felt God give me the analogy of a plant. You know that a seed is created to grow. It's made to do nothing else but to grow. And we are the same. God has made us to grow. And we will grow. Yes, there are factors that will hinder or accelerate or improve how we grow, but we will grow. We are made to grow. And I just felt that this, uh, this morning as we were talking, it was just amazing to think that we are so naturally, we are able to position our children how to grow. We know we need to give them food, they need sleep, they need water, they need all those things. And so we know as human beings, we are able to grow, but spiritually, we don't do the same for ourselves. We don't put ourselves in the positions or feed ourselves in the way that allows us to grow. So using the analogy of plants growing, this morning I'm just going to give some points about how God is able to position us, work in us, work through us, how we are able to surrender so that He can do that growth inside of us. My first point is, can we be obedient and are we willing to sacrifice? The quality of soil with a plant, when you plant a seed, directly affects the way the, the plant or the seed will grow. If you look at Matthew 13, there's a parable of a sower. We're not going to read it. I think most of us know it. If you don't, please go and read it. There's a lot of meat there. In the parable of the sower, the seed is sown. Some of it falls on hard ground, and it can't penetrate the ground. And so it sits on the surface, and birds come and eat it. Some of the seed falls then on to ground with lots of rocks. So the seeds manage to go in a bit and even start to grow, but the roots can't spread out. They can't get growth. They can't strengthen themselves. So the moment the hot sun comes or a storm comes, they are wiped out. They cannot withstand it. The other seeds, some other ones landed amongst weeds. Now weeds, you look, might look at it and think, oh, it's not a big deal. It's, some even look pretty. It's green. But those weeds, as the plants come up, literally choke the life out of the plants. So those are the things that hold that plant down, the things that would seek to destroy that plant. And then the last of the seeds landed on the good soil, the soft soil that was prepared and ready, and so the seed can grow. Our hearts are like soil. So it's up to us to say, okay, God, Please do what you will with the soil of my heart. Will you soften it? Will you dig into it? Will you turn it? Will you take away those stones? Will you take away the rocks? Will you take away the weed, the sin that will kill us, that will stunt our growth and hinder us from moving forward in you? Are we willing to sacrifice those things that we've put in place, those rocks? And are we willing to be obedient and remove that sin and allow God to grow in us? That is one of the points. That's the first point about how I feel we should be positioning ourselves in God. Number two, are we willing to be vulnerable? I don't know if you've noticed in winter, many trees, their leaves will, will fall to the ground, the fruits, the seeds, whatever, they all fall to the ground, and the tree looks bare and empty. And to some people, it might even look dead. If you don't know the tree and you don't know that it's going to grow again in, in spring, it even looks dead. But the fact is that in the roots there is work being done. Those roots are going deeper. They are going stronger. They are seeking the source. They're going to, if there's water underneath them, that is where they are heading. And that is important because when that happens, we don't, the, the tree doesn't rely only on rain, but the tree can actually reach what's going on underneath. So if there's a drought, the tree will survive because there's still water underneath that the tree can reach. And if there are storms, the tree will survive because the roots have gotten strong and can hold it in place. 
And so if we allow God to take those things off our lives so that we can stand vulnerable and bear in him, then we are able to withstand what comes because we are able to grow in him. If you look at Joseph, I'm always amazed by his story and and humbled quite a lot when I argue about what God has or asks me to do. And I think, okay, God, if you could use Joseph, (laughs) you can use me. And outwardly, it looked like there was nothing happening in his life. Think about when he was put into jail. He was thrown into jail for something that he hadn't done. He was accused of it, and his life sort of came to a halt for however long it was. I I know he was in jail for two years, but until he started to minister to people and grow there, there was this moment of his life coming to a halt. He was in the most, I couldn't think of the worst place to be. But in that time, God was working in his heart. God was growing his ability to hear his voice, growing his ability to believe that God does what he says. And also he was growing his ability to have faith that God will do what he says he will do. He was positioning him for the next season. So if we are willing to get rid of those things, to become vulnerable before God, then we can grow like that too. The word intimacy means to be fully known by someone. Are we willing to let God fully know us, to take all those things away, to see us at our core and allow those roots to go deeper? The next point, can we live in light? Are we a people who are willing to live in the light? Um, I've bought a few plants. I've got a bathroom that's not very sunny. And so I want a nice plant in it to bring a bit of life. And so I keep buying these plants that say no sun needed and they keep dying. Because the fact is, even though the plant doesn't need the sun, it still needs light. And we are like that as well. In John 11, verse 9 to 10, it says, If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he is in the light. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Jesus is the light. If we walk in him, we won't stumble. Jesus is there. He wants to show us, look, that thing is in front of you. Move it away. Or that thing's in front of you. Go around it. Or that thing is in front of you. Destroy it. Whatever it is, God wants to show. He doesn't want us to stumble. And so when we allow him to lead us and guide us to be that light at our feet, whether it's his word or, his, or him speaking to us, he is that light and he shows us what's coming ahead. So we can walk in that and walk with confidence like we are walking in the day and not in the night. Number four, if you're numbering your points, can we be submitted? This one is hard. <laughs> In order for a tree to produce good fruit, it needs to be pruned. It's got to be cut. And sometimes those cuts happen in places where you think, it looks fine. Why do we need to cut it? We, the house that we live in now, when we bought it, we were super excited. It had this most amazing tree on the one side of the garden. We were so happy it was an apple tree. I remember being like, God, you've answered my prayers. I wanted a fruit tree here. And it was an apple tree. And when we moved in, we took I picked an apple and cut it in half and it didn't look like an apple and it didn't smell like an apple. And when we bit it, the texture definitely wasn't an apple and the taste was pretty much nothing. It turned out that this was actually a pear tree. But because this tree, yeah, this tree had never ever been pruned in any way, so the, the pears had totally lost their shape and looked exactly like apples. And over the years, as, we live, as we've lived there, I think we're now there for six years, We've been pruning the trees, 
And every year we, we prune as much as we can. You can't prune too much, otherwise you end up killing the tree. There's a, a method to do it. And every year we prune as much as we can in that year for that season. And you know what? Our pears are starting to look like pears. Their shape is changing. Their smell is smelling even more like pears. And their taste is even improving. I think we've got a way to go with the taste. They're still not the most bites in your um, want to take a big chunk out of a bite kind of a pear. But they are, they're becoming pears again. And that's because of the pruning. And when we started cutting it, I remember feeling sad because this tree was amazing. It had the most beautiful shade and it was incredible. And I thought, but God, it looks so good. And he just said, but it's not growing right. And so if we allow God to cut things in our lives, even when they look good, oh, it's hard. <laughs> it really is hard. And um, it's so worth it. Sorry. <laughs> The other thing about this tree that I learned, I've been learning about nature. It's amazing what you learn when you have a garden. But the dead fruit stays on the tree. And obviously, because we didn't want to pick the fruit to eat it because it was gross at first, the dead fruit just hung on the tree. And we didn't realize at first that by leaving that dead fruit on the tree, it actually destroyed the way the new fruit was growing. The new blossoms couldn't come up. And the, the, the food that should have gone to the new fruit was going to the dead fruit. And it actually just rots. It's disgusting. The smell is bad. There's fly. Oh, it's terrible. The root, those dead fruits had to be removed. We had to either drop them to the ground and let them become compost or let their seeds. That, that was the other thing. I thought, I wonder if we had left some of them, if maybe they would have started seeding and we would have had baby pear trees. I don't know. God knows what he wants of us. But he also, we've got to be willing to let go of that dead fruit. What are the dead fruits in our lives? Sometimes it's things that we've, we've worked for and haven't worked out. Other times, it's actually something that's been amazing. God has used us and it's been powerful. But it was 10 years ago and we're still clinging to that success in God. If we keep holding on to those dead fruits, we're not going to move forward in the things that God has for us. Paul even writes about it in Philippians 3 um, from verse 7 to 14. He writes this whole thing about how he cannot brag about all the good things he's done because actually it's God. And in verse 13, I'm just going to read that one. It says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. We've got to move forward. We can celebrate and enjoy the victories of the past, but we've got to move forward because there's more. He, he's got so much more for us. Point number five, can we be teachable? If you look at a vine, the way a vine grows, I don't know if any of you, if you've seen a grape vine or something like that growing, it needs a stake to keep it off of the ground. So they put a pole in and teach it to go up. The reason it needs to go up is so that the fruit can get air and light and so that it's not lying on the ground because if it lies on the ground, it gets damaged and it begins to rot. And so by being teachable, we are saying, God, put that stake inside of us. Give us the direction we need to go. Which way do you want us to go so that our fruit can be the best it possibly can? In Hebrews 12, um, my home group knows this is uh, one of my favorite and one of my hardest uh, passages. From verse 5 to 11, um, it's, it writes about discipline and how we shouldn't neglect the fact that God disciplines us and we, how we shouldn't be fighting it because when he does, it's for our own good. And in verse 5 and 6, it says, My son, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. 
if we allow God to discipline us, we are actually saying, I am your child, God, and I want you to shape me and mold me. The original word there is, that is used is, is actually for chastening. And so I looked up what chastening means, and chastening means disciplinary correction, which refers to instruction, teaching, and nurturing. Isn't that beautiful? We think discipline is a whack on the bump. <laughs> but actually, there's something powerful about it. It instructs us. It teaches us. It nurtures us. Are we willing to let God do that? Are we will, willing to let him shape us? To, and sometimes we want to grow this way, but God is saying, no, trust me. Trust me. Go this way. In verse 11, it says, For the moment, all discipline seems rather painful than pleasant. But later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Will we let God train us? And if it means that we need to be disciplined or just um, allow him to change us and teach us, will we be willing to do it? Number six, can we be local? Bear with me. <laughs> Indigenous trees grow better when they are growing where they are meant to grow. If you look at an indigenous tree, its fruit will be better where it's meant to grow. It causes less damage on the environment and less damage to the things around it or the plants around it. That is what an indigenous tree does. When we are where God wants us to be, we are the same. Our fruit will be better and we will not damage those around us and we will not damage the area around us. We will be able to do what God wants us to do. Acts 17 verse 26 says that God determines the time set for people and the exact place they should live. God knows where we belong. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 24 says that we should remain in the situation that God has called us to. We don't need to fight it. If we are where God wants us to be, we will grow in the way we should grow because he has put us in that place for a reason. God makes us indigenous to the place that he puts us in. It doesn't mean that we stay there forever. There are seasons. And I do believe God moves us from season to season. But in each season, he makes us indigenous to that place. We are there for that place's good and for our good. My last point, can we be in community? I don't know. There's, I think it's fairly new, but I'm new to gardening. So maybe it's not that new. But there's something called companion planting. And that is the planting of different crops in proximity for a number of different reasons, including pest control, pollination, providing habitat for beneficial insects, maximizing use of space, and to otherwise increase crop productivity. Plants that are planted near each other, they're not the same plants, but it's for the well-being of each other. Doesn't God do the same thing with us? We are not the same. We have got different fruit to bear, different things to do, different ways of growing, but yet God plants us together because he knows we are beneficial to each other. So can we be in community? And if this is where God has placed us, to walk in that in all fullness and walk with the people around us, embrace their differences, accept them as they are, and know that God has got their fruit and them in this season for a reason, just like we are here in this season for a reason. Paul writes in um, Romans 11, verse 1 to 12, sorry, Romans 1, verse 11 to 12, that we mutually encourage each other's faith. And in Hebrews 10 to 24, it says um, that we stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. It's so important that we spend time together, that we come together like we are here this morning, so that we can learn from each other, so that we can protect each other, rub off on each other. Maybe my pollen's going to go there and your pollen's going to come and feed me. Whatever it is, God knows that we need to be here.
So I just want to finish off um, before I hand over back to Marlies. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Let us throw aside everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Are we willing to throw the things aside, the things that we've been holding on to, the things that we think, this is, this is where I'm going. And actually God's saying, no, this is where, where I want you to go because this is so much better. Are we willing to throw those things aside? The sin that so easily entangles. Sometimes it's something little and we can just say, God, I repent. Maybe sometimes it's something bigger and we need someone to walk with us. Are we willing to move that aside and say, God, I want what you have for me. I want to grow in the way that you have for me in this season. And I just felt to finish off by reminding us that growing in God is not a striving thing. If we allow God to position us where he wants us to be and let him do what he wants to do in, our, in, in us, we don't have to strive. It's not about our efforts. It's not about our abilities, but it's about his ability to work within us. Thank you. What a beautiful picture. Kind of explains why Jesus spoke in parables so often, so that we have something to hold on to when we want to forget. We can't forget the picture of that tree. So I'm sure you're sitting there, and the realization for me was when we were prepping, we, are, we have just added to already a very extensive list of changes that are happening and things that are expected of us in God. I had this conversation with God this week. I was like, okay, Lord, so I need to speak up, stop hiding, be fruitful, courageous, inclusive, and grow while doing it. I'm like, really? Wow, that is a tall order. Um, I just sensed him smiling at me as I rambled off my concerns. And then I felt God say this to me. My girl, it's not about ticking boxes. It's just about, it's just the kind of thing you kind of need to do. I was like, but how, Lord? <laughs> how? How do we do all of this? Um, I started my studies this week, and I had to watch a little video on procrastination, which I'm really good at when I feel overwhelmed by something. And um, I don't know about you, but... Whenever I've heard people give you advice about starting a task, they always tell you, start with the thing that you love the least. Have you heard that? And then you know it's ticked off the list and you can move on to the things that you really enjoy. This video was so refreshing. This person said, start with the thing that you love the most because it gets your endorphins going and it gets you excited and then the task that you hate so much doesn't seem so bad at all. And I was like, yes, I like that. I am going to do that because it's really hard for me to start with something that I'm not liking. I don't know if that's just me, but I can't. It, it takes a lot. I have to dig so deep to go there. Um, the other thing that I felt God remind me of, and I'm sharing these two stories and then I'll link it up, um, over the holidays, you know, when we've eaten too much and now you have to start losing weight because January is coming. <laughs> um, I watched a video of this lady. Her name is Corinne Crabtree. Um, I mean, if you can get past a terrible language, I don't know why people have to swear. But anyway, she, 
she has, she's got something going and I started reading her little thing and I was waiting for the thing that I needed to give up. You know, they're going to tell you now, cut out a cob or cut out a, it's never cut out salads. It's never that. It's always the stuff that we love and like that we have to cut out. Um, but her opening statement was, I am not going to tell you to cut out anything. And I was like, oh, I'm keeping on reading. This is worth a read. And it was so interesting. Um, she was a really big woman and she lost a lot of weight and she skipped it off and helped many women in the process. Um, and she said, what I started doing is I just started asking myself, when I put something in my mouth, am I really hungry? And while I was eating, if I'm having a meal, I would ask myself, am I full? So what, that was the one thing she did. And if she was full, she stopped. And if she wasn't hungry, she didn't eat. But if she was hungry, she ate. And if she wasn't full, she didn't stop. And then she said, I decided I'm going to make a 1% change every day. So the thing that she did every night of her life is she would take a two-liter tub of ice cream out of the fridge and she would sit while she was watching TV and, and eat that tub of ice cream. That is what she did every night. And she decided, how can I just make a 1% change? So what she did is she got a one and a half liter tub and she ate that. And then eventually, after a couple of months or even a couple of years, she was able to just have two scoops in a bowl every now and then. And she says, if you can make a 1% change every day, by the end of the month, you've made actually a 31% change. And that really spoke to me. Now, you might say, Molly, you can't bring these worldly practices into the church. Um, can I just say that Jesus is so graceful because he is allowing these people to make money off this, but it's actually his principles. If you look at, at the little verse in Matthew 17, verse 20, that speaks of faith like a mustard seed. He's not asking you to bring bucket loads of faith. He says, just bring me your mustard seed. When you make a cheese sauce and you just put a few mustard seeds in, it makes such a difference. The scripture where Jesus tells the parable of the guys with the talents, and he says to the servant, faithful, you are faithful with little, I will entrust you with much. The talents was what was in their hands. It's what they were given. Didn't have to work for it, didn't have to do anything for it. It was there. What is in your hand? What did Jesus give you? What are you good at? I'm good at talking, so I better talk. I'm also good at encouraging. I'm an encourager, I know that. And then the, the woman in, in Two Kings whose husband dies and then she just has this one little thing of oil. And Elisha says to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in your house? And she says, your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. Can you see that all these examples just comes with a little bit? It just comes with 1%. What is your 1% that you can give every day? 
I felt God wanted to encourage us with this, that by making small changes every day will eventually result in the big changes that we are looking for in the season that we're in. I want you to think of one thing that you know you're really good at. And we all have one thing. Don't be humble. Fake humble. What is the one thing that you are really good at? And then just tomorrow when you wake up, just do that one thing. And if you feel you can't do it, like I'm an encourager, but I know it might be too much for me to go into a shopping center and look at the teller and say, you know, Jesus loves you and he really cares for you. It might be easier for me to start with sending a WhatsApp to someone that I know and encourage them. Then start there. But I felt God say this, what will stunt our growth and keep us in this position, in this season, is if we do absolutely nothing. If you do nothing and you just stay under that little roof, you will stay like this even when the roof is not there anymore. So my encouragement this morning is, will you walk out into your day, just wake up every day and say, what is the one thing that I can do? And what is the easiest thing that I can start with? Just start with the easiest thing. Just start with what comes easy to you. And once you can see that you can do that, God will multiply it. God will take your efforts. And he will build your courage. And he will build your boldness. And, and before you know it, you'll be standing up straight. And it will be part of your daily life because you just chose to do something every day. I felt God encourage me and say, don't try and do it all. Just do one small thing that comes easy. And I said, okay, Lord, I can do that. That I can do. So my question to you this morning is, what is your mustard seed? What is the one little thing that you have faith for? What is the one thing that you have in your home? Do you have a house? If you have a house, that's your little jar. Invite someone for coffee. Bake a cake for someone. Do something. What do you have in your jar at the moment? And then what are you really good at? You know, it's not hard to do the stuff that you're good at. It just comes so naturally. Just do it. Make sure that you're doing something for God with that talent that he's given you, that gift that he has given you. Can we close our eyes? Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you, you are a God who sees us where we are, how we are, you understand how exhilarating this process is for some and how completely terrifying change is for others. But Lord, I pray right now, as we just look to you, Jesus, and your spirit, that you will show us what is that one thing that we can do. Even if it's the easiest thing on our lists, Father, can we just start with that? Can you commit in your heart to that one thing that you're going to do today? And then just do that same thing tomorrow and the day after. And God, I pray that we will allow our hearts to align with you. Then as you start speaking more things to us and as we start growing and standing up in the courage that you've put in us, Lord, the boldness that you then start growing in us, the faith of our little mustard seed that will then become 
rooted and grow roots and become a little shoot and then a tree, Father. And then fruit, possibly. But may we start, may we just start somewhere, Lord, so that our growth will not be stunted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.